G'day, I am definitely live now. Yes, it says going there, that one's waiting. <laughs> but whilst I am waiting for people to join in, because I do find sometimes that I think the thing comes up in YouTube and a bunch of people are like, oh yeah, maybe get around and have a look at it. Uh, so just while I'm waiting for people to join in before I talk about the sponsor, who of course needs to have a little bit of a, a shout out each week, after I, was it last week? I can't remember what it was. Anyway, I talked about getting uh, Charlotte a new Lenovo, got her a uh, Lenovo X1 Extreme ThinkPad, which is basically the same sort of form factor as my P1 over there, same thing as Lars Clint has. Uh, went out and got that for her, rolling her over from a Mac to a PC, which, which has been fun. It's been mostly very good. For some reason, I can't figure out how to, two-fingered scroll on her touchpad at the moment that's the only problem we have with this machine other than just getting used to it <laughs> Lars Clint is there already dude Lars Clint is shouting out Lenovo uh anywho so I mentioned that and then a lot of people online sort of said oh look um would you do one of these videos with Charlotte and she can talk about her uh her Lenovo and she was like yeah cool that's fine we'll do that so we are going to do that I thought I'd give her we might do it like two weeks from now where she's had enough time to sort of adapt to the changeover to a Windows machine. Because I know a lot of people are like, how do you find it? Is it? Maybe there's people out there thinking about making the switch. So we'll do that. And then she can talk about how much better it is to use a Lenovo with Windows 10 than there's a Mac. I'm just saying this to upset people. I'm sure the Macs are fine if you know how to use them. The problem is neither of us did. Moving on. And then I come back to comments and things like this as well. Let me talk quickly about the sponsor this week. Sponsor is a second time sponsor. It is Axonius. Axonius gives IT and security teams the confidence they need to focus on the bigger picture, learn more and try it for free. So they do have a free demo. And I, and I usually say to sponsors, like, look, if, if you can actually give something away, <laughs> it, it kind of does help engagement. So they've got a 30 day trial here. Uh, get the comprehensive asset inventory, uncover security coverage gaps and enforce security policies, all sorts of things that we need to be doing better at today. Uh, how do I know? Because I've got a system full of data breaches from organizations that didn't do a particularly good job of it. So big thanks to Axonius. Go and give them a go because I appreciate them sponsoring me and allowing me to stay at home and do what I do because where else can I really go at the moment? I'm going to talk about the COVID thing soon too. I did put that in the agenda for today. Looking at the comments here, Burton. Burton's first in. Burton, you do have stickers on the way, mate. Charlotte has packaged you up some stickers. From Have I Been Pwned, I think there's a 3D printed one in there. There might even be some Scott Helm stickers in there because you're always first in. So thanks very much for that, mate. <laughs> Appreciate the support. George. George is in Austria. Cold, miserable here. Well, yeah, that's because it's... Aust I know it's summer, but... <laughs> Actually, it's cold. I wouldn't say cold and miserable here today. It has been raining. It's now uh, down to 18 degrees. This is the middle of winter here. Uh, we have been out playing tennis today in the rain. So that was that was something. George says, I think it's warmer back home in Johannesburg at the moment, which, of course, is also Southern Hemisphere, so winter there. Lars, it takes about two weeks to learn the two-finger scroll. Wait, see, uh, you have stickers, Lars. The two-finger scroll is the two fingers on the touchpad, and you swipe them up or down, you can scroll on the, you know, like you've got a, a web page that scrolls, for example, two-finger scroll. And, and I'm sort of saying to her, like, you know, your screen is actually touchscreen now. So it's something you don't have on your MacBook Pro. So you can actually finger scroll on the touchscreen, but I do want to fix the trackpad. I don't know what's wrong with that. I've Googled it. It wasn't much help. Anyway, 
Mm. Actually, this is a good um, a good transition. Connor, greetings from lockdown Perth. So let's talk about Australia and lockdown. And some of the people here are from uh, from Australia already, so they they have a good sense of the situation. For the folks overseas, I, was, I thought I'd just talk a little bit about what's happening with the, the COVID situation in terms of uh, we've got a bit of a, a spike in a few places, lockdown and vaccines as well. And, and maybe I'll do that in reverse, actually, because I was tweeting about the vaccine situation recently. Now, I am not able to get the vaccine anywhere in the foreseeable future. I, I know Lars here has just had his second shot. He is in a different part of the country. And maybe you're just more organised than me, Lars. I don't know. But... For us here uh, in in Charlotte's and my demographics in our 30s and 40s, we are now eligible. So there's there's that. So there was a period where they're like oh, 60 plus and 50 plus, etc. But now we're both eligible. We went and filled out the form. So our state government, our great state of Queensland, uh, has a, a page. You go and you sort of fill out the form, and then they're like, "Yeah, we'll let you know when you can go and make a booking." And I filled out my form first and Charlotte did it the day after, but for some reason she got the first notification saying you can make a booking. And she went in and then there were a heap of appointments at the uh, Gold Coast University Hospital here and then somewhere down in Broadbeach, both within about 5k of here. And we looked at it and went, oh, we'll wait till mine comes in and then we'll just book them both together. Mine came in the next day, couldn't book it. And you go into this system, which if I'm honest, does kind of look like shit. (laughs) And I'm a little bit sympathetic here because everyone is under duress in terms of the government trying to react and trying to deal with something that, let's face it, none of us saw coming. Uh, But it is not a particularly user-friendly system. But you go in there now, and it doesn't matter which medical centre you select, anywhere on the Gold Coast, anywhere in Brisbane, anywhere within like 100, 200 kilometres of here, all of them say no availability to make a booking within the time frame that you've selected. You can select up to 90 days, and I have maxed out the 90 days. We cannot get it anywhere. At our age group, we need the Pfizer vaccine. We can't have uh, AstraZeneca, even though the Oz government is now saying if you're under, uh, they're actually recommending it for uh, for own only over 60s now. But if you are under 60 and you'd understand the risks and you'd like to take it, you can. Probably not something we're going to be doing at the moment. Anyway, we have got, I think it's been, and some of the Aussies here will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's about 5% of the population is vaccinated. We're basically right down the bottom of the ladder of the global uptake of vaccines. Now, I've had people on Twitter be a bit mean about that. I know, surprising, someone on Twitter was mean. Be a bit mean, talking about how far behind the curve we are, and I think it's just a bit derogatory about Australia. The, the, the thing that everyone has to sort of understand a little bit, if you're not from here, is that our experience with COVID has been fundamentally different to most of the rest of the world. Now, obviously, I used to travel a lot. Lars used to travel a lot. Charlotte used to travel a lot. We're all used to being on aeroplanes and being in other parts of the world. And we have a lot of friends in, in different places, a lot of family in different places as well. And when we see what's happened overseas, it, 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 it's kind of horrifying uh, at, at the time. Now, places like the UK, where I know Burton is as well, had massive upticks and massive infection rates and massive death rates. We are here in a state of 5.1 million people, a state that's physically twice the size of Texas, and we have had seven deaths. Seven was at eight since day one. And the vast majority of those all came off one cruise ship very early on. I think there's only been one in like the last nine months or something. So for all intents and purposes, COVID's barely made a dent. Uh, the economy's booming, the real estate market's way up, the job rate is well under what it was before COVID. 
what else? Share markets up. <laughs> like everything's actually going really strong. So it's it's almost like everything's perfectly normal, but we're here in this little bubble and we can't go anywhere. And as a result, the government's basically said, well, look, let's just see what happens in other places. You know, look, we'll start very gradually, obviously start with the highest risk groups and then we'll sort of work our way down. But it's happened very, very, very slowly. And it means it's very difficult for us now, particularly those of us in very low risk demographics, to get the vaccine. The government's talking about having, I think everyone who wants to be vaccinated, vaccinated by the end of the year, which, which is good. Uh, I'm going snowboarding later next month. I would really like to have it before traveling to other states. I'm hopefully doing some events in Canberra and Sydney next month. I would really like to have it before going to those places. But I don't know if that will happen. So that's, that's kind of where we're at in terms of the vaccination thing. And then we've had outbreaks. So Sydney at the moment is the one that's suffering the most. I think Sydney had like 33 more cases today. And in case you're somewhere else in the world and you're like 33, we wouldn't even blink at. Like th that is a big spike here. Uh, here in our state, we have just had, in fact, our lockdown, our three-day lockdown is going to end in 40 minutes from now. We've had a three-day lockdown for the first time since, oh, it must be March or April last year, surely, since the very beginning, where you could only go out for essential reasons, and then you had to have a mask and this sort of thing. Uh, and we had, I think, two new cases yesterday, maybe two today. But we are at the point here where, like, two cases is, is lockdown stuff. Like, that's how strictly the government takes it so fortunately it doesn't really change much for us that we can still go out and play tennis and we went for a bike ride with the kids uh i take a mask now which which we barely had to do at all apparently we will have to keep carrying the mask in a couple of weeks but you know like we we order groceries and they come here we whack a mask on every now and then go to shops it's not a biggie so anyway that's, uh, that's the situation I was. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that because I do have a hard stop in order to go out to dinner <laughs> tonight as well. But that's where we're at uh, in Australia. I'm conscious that other parts of the country, like where Lars is in Victoria, have had far, far harsher restrictions uh, over far longer periods. So all said and done, we're doing pretty well, but I would really like to get that vaccine. Now, a few other comments in here around that side of things. Uh, Lars, I rang the hotline number. It took five minutes and I had a booking. Way better than the online process. I'm not sure we can do that in Queensland. So that the other thing is that this is a very state-by-state -state based approach as well. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Connor says, you'll be pleased. Now, WA booking situation ain't much different. Had my first jab. Had to book via phone. No online. Second jab can only be booked online. Sigh. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Look, at, at least... At least there's demand. Like, it would be a little bit sad if there just wasn't the demand. But anyway, we'll get there. All right, moving on. Other things. Ah, all right, let's talk about LinkedIn. Because, of course, of course, now getting all of these messages from people about, have you seen the LinkedIn data breach? There's LinkedIn data breaches. It's a new data breach. Is it going to go into Have I Been Pwned? I'm just going to try and find the story from them, which I tweeted earlier on. Now, if you recall, earlier this year, Facebook didn't have a data breach, but they did have a lot of data scraped. Now, let's just be, be clear about the definition of this and why it's different to a data breach as well. The way Facebook and other social media platforms work is entirely predicated on people willingly uploading information to the platform. Uh, I willingly uploaded some photos of the tennis court today to Facebook. I didn't put it on Twitter and, uh, and a little video, and I put that there. Uh, and I also consciously made it public as well. Now, 
and in fact, one of the, just tangentially, one of the reasons why I do this is I've just seen so many cases where people have uploaded things to Facebook and they've got the privacy settings wrong and then they're like, holy shit, like I didn't mean for that to be public. If you assume that everything's public, a lot less risk. <laughs> and I've done this myself too, not in any embarrassing way, but there are times where I've posted something, it might be something that was just about the kids and it's like, geez, I didn't really mean to make that public. But I only post things where if it did go public, it wouldn't be bad. And now I've just kind of pivoted and I was like, ah, just make everything public. And if it's something that I didn't want to be public, then I would just not post it in the first place. So I've posted that. Now, if someone comes along later on and they take that information and they use it in a different way and they do it en masse, they do it to me and they do it to Lars and they do it to everyone else, then that is scraping. Uh, and, and it's very automated. They're just making HTTP requests and they're taking data off the page and they're putting it in their own big database and they bundle that up into their own massive amalgamation of people's datas. I don't like them doing that and it violates Facebook's terms of services, which hackers don't really care about. And I said hackers, but I'm going somewhere with this. But the point is, is that it's, it is not exploiting a vulnerability on the side of Facebook to, to do that. It is simply taking information that we willingly put there. Now, this is where we're at with LinkedIn as well. So around about the same time as Facebook, there were stories about LinkedIn. Uh, I think Clubhouse had the same problem back at the time. And what seems to have happened now is that someone has taken allegedly about 700 million records off Facebook, uh, which, which is a lot, I guess not compared to, sorry, off, off, uh, off LinkedIn. It's not a lot compared to Facebook size, but 700 million is still a lot. And they appear to have bundled that up and are selling it on the dark web, which is actually just a popular hacking forum on the clear web. Anyway. <laughs> let's not get the truth let the truth get in the way of the hyperbole so somewhere down here i share i shared the the uh, the post from linkedin linkedin has made this post an important update on report of scraped data our teams more than one our teams have investigated a set of alleged linkedin data that has been posted for sale we want to be clear that this is not a data breach and no private linkedin member information was exposed our initial investigation has found that this data was scraped from LinkedIn and various other websites and includes the same data reported earlier this year in our April 2021 scraping update. And there's a little bit of other stuff, but two really important things here is the scraping and the combination with other data sources. Now, if you were to think about this logically and go, if I was... Let's just use the term hacker. I know it's a very overloaded, broadly used term. But if I was someone who was wanting to accumulate large amounts of data from all sorts of different places and then sell it for profit, I would go to multiple places. I wouldn't just go to LinkedIn. You would, I'm air quoting for people listening, you would enrich the data from as many other sources as you possibly could. Now imagine, okay, maybe I'm in a bit of a different situation with the amount of data I've got from Have I Been Pwned, but imagine the number of different sources that any of you could go to right now and find very, very easily and pull and then combine together and you get the name and the birth date from here and then you get the phone number from there and the physical address from there and you combine it up. And this, based on LinkedIn's reporting and based on some of the other independent reports, seems to have been what's happening. The headlines don't look great for LinkedIn because you end up with all these people saying, hey, LinkedIn's had a data breach. Not only have they had a data breach, but you get people saying they have also not just leaked information which could be scraped, information that I put there to be publicly available, but they've leaked this other stuff, such as geographic data. So, well, we don't know. We know there's a file that says it's come from LinkedIn. 
Incidentally, this has got nothing to do with me being associated to Microsoft and Microsoft owning LinkedIn and me having to be nice to them. Like this is <laughs> this is not it at all. This is this is just the cold hard raw facts. So we've got uh, we've got a file allegedly from LinkedIn. It's got a bunch of stuff. We don't know where it's necessarily all come from. I saw uh, a couple of comments around things like, "Well, I never put my inferred salary into there," and apparently this leak has inferred salary. Well, of course you didn't put it in there. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called inferred. It would be called actual. (laughs) The whole point of inferred is that they will look at other data attributes about you and from that infer what you might be paid. Here's a good example. You are a software developer working in these technologies. You are in this location. You have this much experience. You can infer a salary range from that. You know, like I hate to break it to you, but we could work out what all of us are worth if we go out there on the open market and we go and perform any of these jobs. So I think part of the problem here as well is that inevitably LinkedIn does infer these things in order to match people with recruiters, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people are on LinkedIn in the first place. I'm sure that's why I created my profile originally. But now that's leaked and people are not happy about it. And I get them not being happy about it because the data is being used in a way that it wasn't intended to be used. And there's a whole discussion about whether LinkedIn is doing enough to stop this happening in the same way as Facebook. Are they doing enough? And is Clubhouse doing enough? And every other social media platform, are they doing enough? And I think that's a valid discussion. But the problem you keep coming back to is it's like these platforms work by people putting a whole bunch of stuff into it so that other people can see it. And then some people get upset that the stuff they put in there was seen by other people, but just used in a way that they didn't expect it to be. So I think a little bit less throwing your toys at LinkedIn and a little bit more trying to understand what's actually happened and, uh, and then deciding how much information you want to share with platforms like LinkedIn. Ah, what's in the comments here? Ooh, I've seen a couple of comments about Slovakia. I'm going to come back to them. Bit here about scraping, scraping, scraping. Uh, if you try to profile someone, for, this is uh, Connor. If you try to profile someone from their LinkedIn info, no one is going to want to buy it. They're probably going to run the opposite direction. I think if you profile people based on their LinkedIn information, everyone just looks freaking awesome. This was kind of the thesis behind my very, very first blog post. It's like if you trust what's on LinkedIn, everyone just looks awesome. It's like, what do you put in your CV? It's like, I'm awesome, I'm awesome, I'm awesome. And then Someone who comes and interviews you is like, oh, you, well, you say you're awesome, but do you have any referees? Someone else that will vouch for you. And then you get to choose the people that are going to say you're awesome. <laughs> so how much can you trust the data in the first place? I don't know. Brandon says, next thing you know, someone started a cyberpunk oriented brewery that releases a beer called Zero Day. <laughs> um, why does this feel eerily familiar? Oh, no, it wasn't a beer thing. There was a data breach that went and have I been paying called Geeked In. And Geeked In was people scraping. Oh, was it just scraping GitHub? Because my data was in there as well. I'm going to go back to this now. I actually forget some of the data breaches I have put in here. Geeked In, in August 2016, the technology recruitment site called Geeked In left a MongoDB database exposed and our rate moon records were extracted by an unknown third party, including my data as well. It's one of the 25-ish data breaches I've been in. So yes, there's that. Anyway, let's talk about how messed up my IoT has gotten this week. Actually, there's a few different things on the desk around me I thought I'd show you that are, that are in the realm, let's just say in the realm of non-cyber. Uh, in the photo that I put on this 
this uh, this video. <laughs> I'm holding this. Now, if you've not seen this before, this is a 3D printed planetary gear set. So if, if you look at the way this works, see these little gears work around here? So there's actually six different tiny gears on the outside and one in the center. This prints as one piece. It prints in place, believe it or not. And actually, you can hear it, right? It actually rotates, which I just find absolutely fascinating. And there is absolutely no purpose to this whatsoever beyond sitting here and fidgeting with it. It's not the first one I printed. I did print another one and and my son sold it <laughs> to someone at school, which, which I'm supportive of. So long as he starts buying his own filament, <laughs> I'm supportive of this. But it is, it, it's just consistently amazing. I'm going to write a bit more about 3D printing uh, probably later in the month. In fact, I'm going to write a piece around uh, kids and 3D printing and some of the stuff that you can do with kids. But this remains, this, the printer down there, remains the single best educational technology spend I have ever made for the kids. Uh, and, I, and I do want to try and share a bit more about that later on. So is that. Getting more on topic with IoT. I have been having a lot of problems with my network. I have tweeted about this time and time again. I have blamed Ubiquity for quite a bit of this. There does seem to be some idiosyncrasies, but they are giving me some really good support by virtue of the contact that Lars and I have there. And it looks like we might just be getting to the point where I've got so much IoT stuff that we're effectively putting a huge amount of traffic being broadcast from, from different devices, which is making things a little bit unstable. So I still don't understand exactly what the problem is because I can't narrow it down to something that I can easily reproduce and then fix and then test again. But as I find a solution to that, I'll share it because it has always been a question. As you get to more and more devices on the network, at what point do things just get saturated? And I thought the problem would be if I get to like IP address exhaustion and it's like, oh, I'll just get another subnet and it'll be fine. But I think we might actually be at the point where the access points are just spending too much time dealing with broadcast traffic uh, or multicast traffic and then having trouble dealing with the comms backwards and forwards. And the, the, the manifestation of this is that I'm having trouble, let's say with my laptop or my iPad, seeing either OctoPrint, which runs a printer for this, or seeing things like the Shelleys. And it's just very, very inconsistent. So it's very hard to tie it down and just go, hey, here's the problem, here's an easy fix. But uh, Ubiquity has been very, very good with their support. I've sent off support files, so you can generate a support file, which is many tens of megabytes, which just dumps, I assume, a whole bunch of stats from the different APs. Uh, and, and the folks there have been very good at helping me figure that out. So once I have an answer to that, I'm going to write that up and explain what's actually happened so that you can avoid overloading your IoT network as well. All right, now, something else uh, on the IoT front. What else have I been doing with IoT? Uh, <laughs> speaking of overloading my IP addresses, I've got another couple of dozen Shelleys <laughs> sitting in the drawer over there. There are Shelly dimmers, because as we are slowly demolishing parts of the house due to what began as water leaks and then continued to just fixing all the other broken shit in the house, as we build it all back together again, I'm going to have Shelly dimmers behind a lot of the light switches. Uh, and I think I've found the happy path to that now. Certainly found the happy path for dumb lights. So a dumb light that literally gets dimmed just by voltage drop. Uh, so I've got that working absolutely perfectly. And the bit that I'm still tweaking a bit is smart lights, where you can't dim them by voltage drop because you don't want to drop the voltage to the driver. 
Rather, it's the driver itself that drops the voltage on command over IP. So we're getting there. Now, something else, and I was tweeting at this a while ago, is I now have a couple of these. So this is a Sonos amp. And you can see at the back, it's got amp plugs. There's a Sonos amp. I have uh, two of these Sonos amps now, and I have six in-ceiling speakers. And in the couple of the rooms, which we're redoing, these speakers will go in. There'll be a couple in one room, and then there'll be four in another room, and I think I'll do more in other rooms as I progress, which, ah, uh, shit, it's going to be more IP addresses. <laughs> it's going to be more of a problem. But anyway, uh, I use the Sonos a heap downstairs. I've got a Sonos Play 5 that I've had for many years in the kitchen. I've got a Sonos Move, which I bought more recently in the living room, and I've got a Sonos, I forget what they call it, uh, oh, it's like Sonos Connect or something, into the receiver and my hi-fi system in the entertainment room. And I love it because they all sync up and they play either from Spotify or Apple Music. You can play from uh, other services as well. I play a lot of radio and stuff there. It's all tied into Home Assistant. So I come downstairs in the morning and I press a button and the lights come on and it starts playing the radio and everything's just beautiful. So I really love the Sonos. I'm really, really keen to see how this goes because everyone who had one of these and replied to my questions about it loved it. The only people who didn't love it were people who didn't have it. <laughs> it's kind of telling. And they said, maybe you could get other speakers, which would be okay as well. But everyone that has this setup seems to really, really enjoy it. Now, other questions here, questions and comments. <laughs> Connor says, are there any non-exposed MongoDBs out there? I think we got over that. I feel like 2018 was like peak exposed MongoDB. And I think we have somewhat recovered from that. So maybe not so bad now. Um, Brendan speaking of yesterday, I have uh, today. Pokemon schemas on my database, my sickle workbench for the last. Okay. <laughs> what else is going on here? Um, Lars is pretty sure it is illegal to print kids, Troy. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> no, not like that, mate. A couple of ubiquity things here. Uh, ironically, ISP has uploaded issues with... Um, okay, that's fiber stuff. Demolishing part of the house due to the number of... IP no, so kind of suggests that maybe I'm demolishing the house due to I IoT devices. No. So I feel like this is just going to be a whole story in itself one day. But it started very... It always starts simply. It started very simply. And the, the, the simple thing was we had leaks in various parts of the house now we're in a subtropical climate here which means that when it rains typically around the end of the year like it proper rains it's like pretty full it's not it's not full tropical singapore style weather where you need massive storm drains and things like that but it, it rains pretty hard and when it rained hard we'd get various leaks and we'd get the uh we'd get the plumber around because we've got a really good uh, really good plumber we're very, very happy with and it's water, right? So yeah, get the plumber. And he'd he'd fix some stuff and then it would move the leak to somewhere else and it would just it would just all go downhill very, very quickly. And we got to the point where we we're getting like leaks, and Lars will understand all this is because he spent a bunch of time here, leaks in the back of the house and leaks in the front of the house. And then one day there was a leak like in the middle of the house. I'm like, shit, that's weird. I haven't had a leak there before. But okay, and it, it's like a it's, it's, not a, it's like a two and a half story house. It's got a story and then like a half level and then that and then another half level. Um, and I, I just couldn't figure out where the water was coming from. And we got a builder around and I thought what he'll do, he'll come around and it, like he'll bring his silicon gun 
and he'll fix something and it will be fine and we'll pay a bit of money for his time. He'll be here for a few hours and it'll be fine. And by the time he left, the bill was six figures. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're working in Australian dollars, US dollars, GBP, Euro, it was six figures in all of those currencies, which was substantial. And, and the reason why is because the leak was coming from the bathroom above. And as I have since learned, when a bathroom has a leak, there's, there's actually a waterproof membrane. So if you imagine you've got like just a frame and then you've got a floor and you've got plaster and everything, and then everything up until about this high in the bathroom gets waterproof. It's like a, a it's almost like a sealed bag. And then the tiles go in and the sink and the bath and everything else goes in. And this had a, a crack in the membrane. And he said, look, you, you've basically, you've just got to demolish the entire bathroom. Like, Start from the, the front and then work down. So take out the sink and the toilet and the bath and all that. And then take out all the tiles. Uh, and then we'll have to cut it all the way back until we figure out if the leak's done any damage to the frame and all that sort of stuff. So anyway, all that had to come out. And then while we're there, because we live on the water and because it's tidal and we're, we're basically next to ocean water, it's salty. So everything rusts. So all of these fences uh, so we've got like glass fences across the front of the house and near the pool um, they have metal spigots which hold them in place the spigots are rusted the door handles for a lot of the doors are rusted all of this was done about 14 years ago we, we think and of course 14 years is about as long as a fridge lasts so the fridge has died the dishwasher died uh, the floorboards because of the leaking water from the roof cupped to the point where they just have to be replaced and it's just been an, a ridiculously slippery slope so I just got to the point where like stuff it just okay fix stuff and then we'll put it back together the way we like so about I think we figured probably about 80% of what we've spent is is literally in the repair category and then 20% is in the improvement category the new stuff but we're going to have a place which which is much much nicer than before so i want to share some videos and things later on after it's all done not just of the iot stuff but just everything because it's going to look absolutely freaking epic so uh it is not because of iot thanks connor <laughs> that we're rebuilding a significant portion of the house it is literally because stuff got old uh 14 years is is pretty good for carpet and curtains and things like that as well so really all this stuff that's just gotten old and damaged and everything else is being replaced all right what are the other comments here um abe has two ubiquities split the house in half okay Ooh. trent says what firmware are you running also are you taking advantage of the latest wpa3 updates from ubiquity ap's funny you should mention that because i was just looking at my settings today i didn't see anything in terms of wpa3 support and i am on the beta channel as well so i have some pretty up-to-date stuff i saw wpa1 which is disabled and just wpa2 support the firmware i forget it's something like 5.6 or 5.63 or something which i think is the latest beta available for the access points but I'm finding this whole IoT journey interesting in so far as I'm okay dog fooding this. <laughs> you know, like I think that there will be many other people that come after me and after, I know Lars doing a lot of this as well, uh, after both of us and put a lot of IP addresses in their house and they want stuff to work together. So I'm really curious as we connect more and more and more stuff, like what are the things that break first? I have had many occasions of late where I'm like, maybe I should have done more Zigbee. And less, uh, less stuff over IP, but yeah, it is what it is. 
Plus, things like the Shelleys, you really don't have an option. I, I don't. There is not a Zigbee Shelley option. I know there are other other IoT relays that might do Zigbee, but the Shelleys are so nice. Ah, what else? Matt B says there is rain and then there are Asian monsoons. So as a kid, I spent three years in Singapore, and when it rains there, like it proper rains. That's why when you well, when you get to travel again, if you get to go to Singapore, for those of you who've not been there, and you look at the size of the drains, it's like you could drive a car through it. Uh, and when you get proper monsoon, particularly around the end of the year, uh, it is very, very, very wet. Lars, <laughs> is a bit ironic that you have a leaky house when your work is reporting on leaks. It is me reporting on leaks and then being able to make a career out of it, which is paying for the leaks in my house. How's that for irony? Anyway. Now, Trent says 14 years is not so good for IoT. So, I mean, here's an interesting thing. This is a really, really interesting discussion, I think, in all seriousness. You have a look at all the stuff that goes into your house. And let's take white goods. Okay, so the fridges. I sort of got 14 years out of. You can get smart fridges today that are connected Um uh, Lars, we, we both have a, a good common mate, Adam Kogan. He's got one of those fridges that like shows you what's on the inside with the screen on the outside, and you can draw on the screen and all this sort of thing. Can you imagine what that's going to look like in 14 years? And just to put it in perspective, the iPhone, the very, very first version of the iPhone launched 14 years ago. In fact, it was 14 years ago pretty much to the day because it was 2007, and I saw something in the news just the other day about, hey, 14 years. So can you imagine basically like a gen one iphone how old that feels being an integral part of a white good that you expect to get the same longevity out of this is why i really like the idea of stuff like this there's a i'm holding one of my little zigbee uh, a care emotion sensors where if i have to chuck this out let's say in five years because it's antiquated and there's something much better it's like well there goes 30 bucks i spent five years ago that's not so bad i'm okay with that I really don't like the idea of stuff being really closely embedded. Another reason I like the idea of things like an Apple TV rather than a smart TV. Now, I do have a smart TV, an LG smart TV, but I use the Apple TV. And at some point in time, I'll still have the LG smart, let's say two years from now, there's a, a much, much better Apple TV out. I keep the big panel, which still displays pictures in 4K and it's nice, and I get a new Apple TV and I plug it in. So I think we've got to do a better job of separating the things that you expect longevity from from the things that you expect to cycle more frequently because they're tech that antiquates and something better comes along what else in the comments here mark says two you have some zigbee in wall actors i'm uh yeah i don't know how keen i am on two you <laughs> just at the moment <laughs> for various reasons um yeah, Trent's just realized the original iPhone is 14 years old, which is, which is funny because it's like this is older than my children by several years. <laughs> like, this was, when this thing came out, I was a long way from even thinking about the idea of having children. So, that's, yeah, that's how old that is already. So, how about that? Um, all right. So, uh, actually, Abe says, I'm running Sonos One speakers. Uh, when motion detects on IoT, when I'm away, triggers the speaker to start saying creepy stuff. Now, actually, there's a very, very good point. So, one of the great things about the Sonos is it's very, very easy to integrate into Home Assistant. So, I use the Sonos's downstairs to uh, talk about all sorts of different things that happens in the house. Now, I've posted videos about this before, particularly in that five-part IoT series. 
So they will talk about things like, uh, what's a good example? The, the dishwasher just finished. So I've got a power metering switch um, or plug rather on the dishwasher. And when the power drops to a certain point, I know that like 40 minutes after that, the dishwasher has finished its cooling cycle and I can speak. It speaks when the garage door opens or closes. It tells me if I haven't closed the garage door and the sun has set, it tells me when the washing machine has finished. And as of about two days ago, and this was the most fun thing I've done all this week, I can't believe I forgot it. I love my fiance very much. <laughs> Let's just, just lead with that uh, lead with that caveat. And she has one fault and one fault only, which is that there is one door that she gets a cup from. It's a door on a cupboard in the kitchen, and it is always left open. And whenever I walk into the kitchen, I'm like, why is that door open? Well, Charlotte's obviously got a cup. And then I realized I could solve the problem with technology. <laughs> so you see where this is going now. I ordered several, because I know that there will be other doors in the future, several Acara proximity sensors, which are little reed switches. So you've got one little switch, which is the IoT connected switch, and a little magnet. When the magnet is close, it closes a circuit. When it's further away, don't need Siri for that. When it's further away, it's open. And I put that in the door. And now when the door is open for more than 15 seconds, it says... Charlotte, can you please close the door over the Sonos? Now, she thought that was hilarious. Except she said I shouldn't just single her out. So I had to change it. And now, I kid you not, it says, Charlotte, or someone else, please close the cupboard door. And this is literally what it says now when you leave the cupboard door open 15 seconds. But, okay, here's, like, all right, that was a bit of mucking around. But the really, really cool thing about that is those switches are, I think, like, I don't know, $23 or something like that. And then it took me several minutes in YAML. Nothing needed to be wired. And I've even just blue tacked it in place. Like I haven't even peeled off the back of the double-sided tape. It is so, 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 so easy to do this stuff that, yeah, that just blows me away now. All right, so last thing before I wrap up and before I go to my dinner. Slovak Republic. Mm. Now for the folks on here that have mentioned it, I wasn't sure, do you say Slovak Republic or do you say Slovakia because when I looked it up on Wikipedia everything said Slovak Republic and then when I sent this to their effectively their national cert uh, after they asked to come on board have I been paying I said here's my draft blog post it's all okay they said everything was fine they didn't mention it but is it Slovakia or is it Slovak Republic um, so can someone help me understand the difference between these if you are from that part of the world and you're on here and you can explain it so um they are now, I think, uh, I think I said the 23rd government on Have I Been Pwned. And I'm super, super, super excited to see this rate of growth. There is another government who will be on, on Monday next week. And this must be about six weeks in a row that I've put a, a different government on. Uh, and there are others in the pipeline. I'm not quite sure the schedule of those. But I'm just enormously happy to see all of these governments coming on board and, uh, and just getting free and open access to the data because ultimately, like data breaches happen, scrapes <laughs> happen as well. We, we try to do as much as we can to stop that from happening. And myself and many other people out there do everything from training to services and whatever else. But there's then the question of, okay, once they happen, what's the best thing we can do? And I just think that this is certainly in terms of what's within my control, one of the best things we can do. So very happy to have them on board. Hopefully next week I'll be talking about the 12th. I should be talking about the 24th one next week. Uh, and who knows from there? 
Other questions as we start counting down a little bit here. Oh, this is interesting. Brandon says we get spam calls at least seven or eight times a day on the landline. Uh, now, first of all, it's interesting you have a landline because I haven't had one of those for a very long time. But secondly, I am getting them, I would say on average, twice a day to this phone. Now, there are a number of different options here. Um, first of all, they're bloody annoying. I'm really, really not happy getting these spam calls. Second of all, what are we going to do about it? <laughs> so... I've started playing, when the kids are there, like if they call them in the car, we start playing the meow game. Now, if you're not familiar with the meow game, go and watch uh, Super Troopers. So Super Troopers 1. Just go to YouTube after this. Go to YouTube, Google Super Troopers meow. So we've started doing that. It's hilarious. I'm getting much pleasure out of wasting the time of spammers. Uh, I, I do conflate these terms a little bit. I'm getting a lot of spam from people who have pulled my data from who is over years gone by. But we're also getting a lot of scams. I'm getting a lot of, this is Amazon, there's a refund coming. A lot of this is the Australian Federal Police, you're going to be arrested. Uh, it just seems to be an absolute scourge at the moment. And it almost feels like junk. Like, okay, I still have to deal with junk mail quite a bit. But this is just seriously, seriously upticked. R really just in the last couple of weeks. I get a heap of it. Charlotte gets a heap of it. It's just absolutely nasty stuff. Um... Anyway, moving on. Uh, David, hey, Troy, where do you get the the Hue? Uh, you said new. I think you mean Hue Zigbee downlights from in Australia. Um, I got my – so I've got lots of different types of Hue. You can get them from Bunnings. So the, the Philips Hue Goes I've got on the desk here are from Bunnings. My Sparky has got a bunch of the outdoor Lily XLs. I know Lars has got uh, one or more Lilies as well. Uh, he got those. I'm not sure where he got them from, but they're fairly readily available. The other downlights I get from Oz Smart Things. So if you Google Oz Smart Things, that's OZ Oz. They've got a lot of them as well. So they're pretty good. I am now tempted, if I was to do this again, to probably get more Zigbee rather than uh, the IP-based smart lights I was getting from Oz Smart Things. And I, I literally just went onto eBay and I looked for like Zigbee downlights. I was starting to do a video. In fact, I put a couple of them in the downstairs toilet because I've got a smart switch. That's another story. <laughs> but the switch just raises an event in Home Assistant and then turns them on or off. And the Zigbee is now so fast compared to IP, it feels like a normal switch because it's not going up to the cloud and like back to China and instructing two of you to turn the light off. So big plus for Zigbee there. George, what's for dinner? Uh, apparently it's lamb. So one of the... The upsides of COVID, and I'm, I'm sure it's similar for other people as well, is we have made very good friends with neighbours, and we have some absolutely awesome neighbours. So we're going over over the canal, <laughs> walking on the road. We're not actually paddling over. We do that during summer. Uh, over the canal to the neighbours, uh, having lamb, uh, kids playing together, sitting outside, probably. Is it too cold? I oh, know, it's down to 18 degrees. Enjoying the Gold Coast weather and, uh, and hopefully drinking some nice wine with that lamb. So, folks, I am at time because I've got a six o'clock dinner and that is in six minutes from now, which is how long I need to walk over there. So thank you very much for joining this week. Any other questions, hold them through to next week. I will do it in the Aussie morning next week. And thank you very much for joining. See you, folks.